You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Warning. Thunder Talk contains foul language, adult subject matter, and is intended for mature audiences. Unpopular opinions while Mark and Adam free associate about social media faux pas. San Diego County legends The Oxen stop by to discuss their self titled album and drop the hit single Earthbound. Beth and Kavika are on the hunt with their review of Velocipaster and another bottom of the barrel. Sexy Thor breaks down last week's DC fandom along with his take on the new mutants in WTLK, and Dan whines about his Star Wars fatigue. Lightning Lad, roll the thunder. Thunder talk. So, Thunder Faithful, I heard a little thing. A thing about Dan. Dan, I heard you have some toys. Dude, I'm selling. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, thank you. Thank you for. Uh, I was like, what kind of toys are we talking about? I, I mean, like, I got really excited. So. Oh, we're, we're, we're talking uh, Star Wars toys primarily. Uh, anybody out there, if you're looking for the, uh, the black series, anywhere up to, uh, like 2019, 2018, maybe, uh, and especially, uh, the female characters, I've got a bunch of that, the six inches going, have uh-huh. some, uh, he's got six inches going for the female characters. Got oh, it. Shit. Got it. I don't Go do that on. on purpose. You know, I don't do that. <laughs> that doesn't happen on purpose. It I, makes me think of grandma's boy. When he has the Lara Croft doll. <laughs> I mean, okay, yeah, it was totally intentional. I spent like, my writing team and I took the last 36 hours on that. There'll <laughs> <laughs> uh, be some Tron Legacy. I've got uh, all three Endor Escape Luke variants from the Vintage Collection. I forget what year. Like VC22 maybe is the figure count. We're going to have all kinds of Funko Pops. Uh yeah. Everything must go. I just don't. Oh, man. You know, I used to play so hard with these toys and do such fun things with them. And I just don't. I just kind of don't give a shit anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Or, I look at most of them. Do you think, like, uh, just your, your opinions of things changed or just that you just don't have space space in them for, in your life for them anymore? Um, You know, I Priorities. think. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think there's a bit of both. I think there's a bit of a lot in all that. Like, okay, they've all been falling down and just kind of sitting up there in a real who gives a shit kind of way for a year, at least a year. And I've had a couple of boxes of shit that I've been meaning to sell and have been selling off and on for the past couple of years. So I, I, I do have a merch box to dig into. But yeah, they just don't bring me that kind of joy anymore. Well, I, I get it. You know, sometimes like the... The ever pursuit of consumerism. Oh, Christ. You know. That'll, uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> there used to be times where I would find out that a certain figure was coming out. Like they would do it at some trade show in New York or whatevs. And I'd be on the internet getting those pictures and I would have panic attacks. Like I would get the, the, the release date of it, like what it's supposed to be. And I would have trouble sleeping at night sometimes knowing that wow. it's going to be like coming. You got the, like I don't have it yet. Like I don't the, have the it. The pre purchase jitters. Exactly. Exactly. Anxiety over, like, like you can't rest until it's in your hand. Yeah, that's no way to live, anybody. That's no way to <laughs> well, live. The, what, what was that one Japanese woman's name 
that she became fairly famous uh, about that whole way of life of getting rid of stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh. Marie Kondo. Yeah. like it, And it's supposed to be a whole philosophy that you only keep the items uh, that bring joy to you, right? Yes. Does it spark joy? You're supposed to, like, take all your stuff out. And you do it, I guess, in different types of things. So it's like you'll do all your clothes at one time. You'll do all your books at one time or whatever. And, yeah, you have to, like, hold each item and decide if it sparks joy. And if it doesn't, everything must go. I mean, this shit sparks anxiety. (laughs) Straight up. Yeah. What's crazy is, like, if we were to try that, I have a feeling that I would just be like, oh, I clearly have to keep that because everything sparks joy in me for the most part. Right. Like, oh, yeah, I have to have that. I have to have that. I guess it's the idea of it, because I'm getting into my private reserve on this one, and when I hold some of them in my hand, there's anxiety. It's like, well, shit, you could, you've been thinking, you've had this idea for a little scene. Yeah, motherfucker, you've had it for the last 10 years, and you've never done it. Like, I've never created a skate park that recreates the battle in Return of the Jedi, where, like, Luke and Darth Vader are both going up for, like, the same 720, but their lightsabers are clashing. I had this scout walker head. It was broken. I didn't have the bottom legs for it. You know, the two-legged, like, chicken walker mm-hmm. Star Wars? I had just the head, and I was going to turn it into a snack shop. You know, like graffiti <laughs> and awesome. stuff. I bought four mini bicycles that I was going to have in the parking lot of these four stormtroopers, like, drinking a Mountain Dew. One's on the phone. One's sitting on the handlebars, like, resting his chin because they're bored because they're waiting for the skaters to get off. So you you were going to construct an entire diorama. Yes. Or diorama. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Exactly. Dude, I even had the skateboards. I had this, the, uh, what they're called, tech decks. I had the the ramps and all that. Yeah. Yeah, it never happened. Never happened. <laughs> well, I, I know uh, I've had a habit several times in my life of picking up hobbies or just like ideas of doing things. You know, like one time... I picked up all this really nice fabric and I was going to make this beautiful black silk black dress. And I've gotten maybe a fifth of the way through it. And this thing is still sitting in a box. And clearly I'm not even that size anymore. You know, so it wouldn't even make sense to complete it. Oh, so you started it already? Oh, yeah. Like I've cut the fabric. Everything, you know... Way before we ever got together. Yes, so you know I it's mean, been a while. It has oh, been a while. It's, it's been, been like there. 10 years. You know, something like that. So it is in a, a Tupperware, you know, a storage container in the garage just waiting. Well, it's going to be waiting there forever. So if anybody wants some silk, some very nice black silk, <laughs> I have some So. You can make me a dress now. Uh, yeah. I mean, you're actually the size that I was at that time. So, See, you just called yourself out right there. Yeah. Responsibilities, dude. You got to revit. See, that because that dress isn't going to leave. Because when you hold it in your hands or think about it, it's like, does it spark joy or does it bring anxiety? Because both of those will lead <laughs> you to the same place. Yes. I mean, it was a, it was a great idea, but... I look at all the work that would entail to complete this dress, and I'm like, yeah, I really don't want to do it. Yeah, she could be playing Eve or watching a show or, you know, something else. Most of my life is doing something else. 
you know, I've had some fun. I have one. My proudest is I've got uh, the pentagram. I printed out told you know, black and white. It's uh, the satanic goat head of Mendez. You know, the the ram head in the in the pentagram. And I've got these Ewoks standing around, and they're all like looking like they're chanting. And oh, that's kind of creepy. Cool. I've got the action figure from the movie Alien. Three and three quarter came out like I don't know. Funko Pop did like this retro junk, and it's got the alien bursting out of his chest, right? <laughs> and he's like nice. writhing up with this coming out in the middle of the pentagram as the Ewoks are like chanting and shit, like they're invoking this. And then I've got a Jawa standing there who's on a cell phone I got from an old GI Joe guy and smoking a blunt that a friend of mine made out of uh, like clay, like Sculpey. And, my, and like, and he like he's on the phone, like, hey man, I delivered this fucking guy to these godless fucking savages. And this is all kinds of devil worship, boss. How, what, what do you want me to do? I'm proud of that. <laughs> nice. Hey, Beth. Yes? Uh, what do you want to do tonight? I wanted to listen to an ESO commercial, duh. Everyone these days could use a little support. And your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon. The cool thing is, is when you help support us... It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. Hello, Thunderverse. Sexy Thor here with the one and only Mark McRae. No, don't worry. We didn't do a coup d'etat on Thunder Talk and Best Saturdays of Our Lives. This is a segment of just us two with some good conversation for you. Now, social media can be a wonderful thing. It can also be a negative thing. Or it can just be something that just a little goof happens. That's not your fault. Mark, you had a pretty good story that you wanted to share with us right yeah so <laughs> a funny thing happened in social media to me about six months ago i belong to a shazam fan page and one of the members proposed a topic who is your favorite captain marvel actor jackson bostwick from season one or john davy from season two and everyone started, you know, <laughs> chiming in and saying who they preferred or who they liked or who they thought was great. I like both actors, but for completely different reasons. I didn't say anything mean or insulting. I just stated the reasons why I liked Jackson Boswick for season one and why I liked John Davy from season two and just sort of listed the reasons without pitting either actor against each other. And the administrator finally chimed in and said, hey, you guys, both actors are part of this group. And I would really appreciate it if you didn't have such debates. Oh. <laughs> I felt pretty bad about it, as did a lot of other people. But there was also a little bit of pushback because a lot of people said, hey, I didn't know that both actors were part of this group. And maybe this is something that you should list or remind people of when they're joining the group. Yeah. And I think everyone got the message. <laughs> 
but I, I felt a little bad, you know, about the whole thing because I really loved the Shazam series. Oh my gosh, that was like the first show that I ever sent a, a, a fan letter to. And uh, I actually got to meet Michael Gray, who played the Billy Batson part at San Diego Comic-Con in 2012. And we spoke for about 20 minutes and we had a great conversation and got an autograph picture from him and everything. And uh, I said, out of all the Facebook groups I belong to, I'm like, wow, why did it have to happen happen (laughs) on the Shazam (laughs) Facebook page? But yeah, it was sort of an embarrassing moment and, and I guess a good lesson that in spite of everything that goes on in social media, I guess it's always good to just always try to be positive about things because you just never know sometimes. Plus, I feel like the admin was kind of conflicted playing devil's advocate here because he would probably want to keep that low key because they probably just don't want it out there that they're part of fan groups. Right, right. People are going to have their favorites and discuss amongst themselves online and at conventions and if you can't handle it then i guess you should probably stay away from your works fan groups (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean that's a great point you know because people do have their favorites and uh people will talk about who they like and maybe who they don't like And also, giving the admin some credit for, you know, either it was their wishes or he didn't think it'd be a good idea to just put them on blast, unprovoked, to be like, hey, these guys are here. Right. (laughs) Exactly. I guess one of the reasons why the admin jumped in, because people started getting personal about what they liked about one actor versus the other. You know, I can talk about uh, what, yeah, I can talk about what I said, but not everybody was being so um, <laughs> nice about what they were saying. So, what what unpopular opinion are you willing to put out there? Attach your brand to for Thunder Talk. I have one. I have an unpopular opinion. Kavika, or, or maybe it's popular with me. But my unpopular opinion is, (laughs) so this is more academic. So, you know, I went to college, all this kinds of stuff. And one of the things that they really drive into you is um, sources. Right. So my unpopular opinion is Wikipedia is a reliable source. Ooh, Okay. All right. Ooh. It can be. It can be. But that's well, it gets edited constantly. I mean, even if even if it's edited with the wrong information, it is usually updated and corrected or amended. And unlike textbooks in Oklahoma or Texas, you know, it actually teaches you information about evolution. <laughs> so, which is hard to come by the, they're they're in uh they're in Kansas, Oklahoma, <laughs> fucking wherever you guys are. LOL. Um, anytime you're writing any type of real academic uh, document, you have to bibliography. Now, you, know, you, 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 you must, you must absolutely brutally cite your sources. Yes, yeah. and you are never allowed to use Wikipedia. No, nope. and it's because it's yes, it's not a source that has been cemented into into stone, and it can be looked back and it's going to be exactly the same because it's always 
evolving or changing. So it's not it's not looked down as a good source. It's reality dictated by democracy with some checks and balances, mm-hmm. which makes it a uh, a great stepping off point on a subject. It usually but is like there is that variable. There is that whole <laughs> we're just going to jack ourselves off and decide to remember that it was this way when actually it's going to be based on the uh, information available. Yeah, no, I, I don't agree with that at all. Good job. Well done. That's a that's an unpopular opinion. Yeah. <laughs> Thunder Faithful, what do you what uh how do you feel about Wikipedia? Yeah. I feel like our fans love Wikipedia. Like our sure. you know. <laughs> right. My number one use of Wikipedia though is if I'm watching a show or a movie and I need some references, like, oh, is this based on a book? Or Something like that. I'm like, let me look. Wikipedia knows. Wikipedia will tell me. Yeah. And do you necessarily require peer review to know, hey, who wrote this episode of uh, Little House on the Prairie? I think most of the time whenever I use Wikipedia, it's because of the true nerd that I am. And we'll be watching some show and they'll reference some battle or a location that I've never heard of, but I'm curious about, you know, I'll go to Wikipedia and they'll be like, oh, this was the Battle of Drachnor, you know, or, you know, something interesting. And then you kind of go down this rabbit hole of uh, history. And then, of course, most of the time, you know, there are other textbooks and things cited in it. But, you know, that's probably most of the time that I use Wikipedia. If you don't know anything, at least it'll point you in the right direction, right? I sort of, um, you know, like recognizing people like, oh, who is that? And I know it kind of drives Ron crazy because he's like, could you just watch it and not have to look somebody up or... Tell me where you saw that person last, you know, or talk about it after the movie is done. And so now what I do, like uh, I was watching uh, Lovecraft Country or County. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's the new HBO series. And uh, yeah, I've seen the commercials and everything. It looks pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's it's been good so far. And uh <laughs> One of uh, the actors that guest starred on there, I'm like looking at him, I'm looking at him. I said, holy cow, you know who that is? And Ron said, tell me after. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, all right, fine. And what threw me off about this actor was that, one, he was in really great shape than the last time I saw him. And two, they had dyed his hair blonde. It's just amazing how... A, a beard or a mustache or lack thereof or different color hair can just change someone's look or appearance and you may not recognize them right away. I know, and yet we seem to laugh and scoff at the notion that a pair of glasses could disguise Superman or Supergirl. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, clearly things like that actually do work. Yeah, they do. They do, because I'm telling you, I also had a friend that I went to college with. It was the same way. I mean, he was real funny, too, because he kind of knew the power of his glasses or or not wearing them. And he said 
If there was a girl that he was interested in, he would try to take his glasses off. But if there was a girl that was interested in him that he didn't like, then he would keep his glasses on because it made him look really nerdy. <laughs> like he had like this whole philosophy behind whether he's going to wear his glasses or not, but he looked completely different, you know? Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm all in for the whole Superman wearing glasses and the whole disguise. I mean, I'm sure it would have to be more to it than that, you know, maybe a change in hairstyle and, and uh, a change in voice, you know, because in the first Superman cartoon, the actor would have a voice for Clark Kent and a different voice for Superman. And in the first Spider-Man cartoon, that actor also had a vo uh, one voice for Peter Parker versus a different voice for um, uh, Spider-Man. And I was watching a He-Man episode the other day, and you know, the joke there is that, well, he looks just like Adam, but with a tan. But there are some subtleties in his voice, you know, his Adam voice versus the He-Man voice, uh, you know, different. And um, one of my favorite He-Man episodes, and it's like a classic, um, I think the episode is called The Rainbow Flyer, where his mom actually gets in the plane that she, you know, in the uh, rocket ship or whatever, the plane that she arrived in from Earth and goes into battle Skeletor and company. And she says to He-Man something about how proud she is of her son. And she says, do you think that I would not recognize my own firstborn? You know, something similar to that. And then they just do a close-up of He-Man. He doesn't say anything. It's like there's this, this small little smile that comes over his face. You know, he doesn't say, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not your son, Adam. <laughs> 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 you know, and yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a really cool uh, moment. Um, there's also a scene like that in the first run of the Miss Marvel comic book. She rescues her mom as Miss Marvel and says, all right, Ms. Danvers, you're fine. You'll, you know, you're out of the building or whatever. And the mom says something similar. I'm so proud of you, Carol. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about, ma'am. I'm Miss Marvel. And she goes, <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, do you think I wouldn't recognize my firstborn even in costume? And I think that is so cool. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, I think if any of my kids were flying around in the damn costume, I think I would definitely know who they were. Thunder Talk exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you, good people, tonight from San Diego County, the Vista Carlsbad area of California, to promote their hit self-titled album, The Oxen, Josette and John. The Oxen, everybody. Uh, how you both doing? Awesome. Great. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, uh, I almost died in a riptide in Carlsbad uh, about three years back. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so so I got cred. Did they have to send the lifeguards out after you? Yes, yes, they did. Wow. Yeah. Were you swimming or? Yeah, yeah, I was out there. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah, snuck up on me. Yeah, you know the ocean's really, it, it's 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 majestic. Everyone, it's poetry. If you've never seen 
any of the five we have on earth in person, but it'll kill you. It'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a healthy respect for it. Exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say, I surf out there, which I always feel a little bit more vulnerable when I'm swimming. At least when you're surfing, you're attached to a giant flotation device. Hmm. Yeah. And you know, I, I almost purchased a flotation, flotation device about an hour before going out there. And I was like, eh. Mm. Always go with your gut. <laughs> always go with your gut. That's right. That's right. Speaking of guts, uh, <laughs> in terms of the feels you give me in my gut, your music has a has a really timeless kind of youthful energy to it. Oh, hey, no, it's. Uh, I, I want to thank you. Like, how, how do I articulate this? I, uh, I I found myself wanting to scribble the oxen on uh, the front of my <laughs> notebook while zoning out in high school algebra. I love it. it was, uh, uh, <laughs> we need a cool guy. logo, like a like a Van Halen style logo. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, something people can scribble on their notebooks, like Twisted Sister. Everybody used to draw the Twisted Sister logo when I was a kid. Or ACDC. Or oh, Auburn. my gosh. Totally. <laughs> or or Metallica. Yeah. 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 And, and little, little hipster me would be like, man, Justice for All was their, their last album. They're, they're, ah, that's they're me dead too. To me, me too, all the way. Yeah. To- thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You heard it here first, everybody. Josette has, has validated what I've been saying for 30 that. years. <laughs> nothing at nothing after that. No, 89 was it. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> you uh you y'all y'all work that D pedal like it's another instrument. You've you've described your sound uh as as indie, alternative, fuzz. How how would you uh in your words uh describe what not to pigeonhole you, but uh, you know uh, what 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 sound it is that you have, and the choices and experiences behind it. Mm. Um, I would say that we're guitar enthusiasts, but we're not like uh, guitar hero rockers. We we like a bunch of different sounds. We do have a ton of different distortion and fuzz pedals that we used recording this. I don't know. That was what was exciting to me, especially at the time recording that. We recorded it all ourselves. We did it, most of it in the back room of a barber shop, so we weren't paying for studio time, so I had a lot of time to experiment with guitar sounds, and right. um, it was exciting for me. Some of my favorite guitar players are um, Ronald Jones that was in the Flaming Lips, and oh, sure. um, this guy, Chris, uh, well, he goes by Frenchie, he was in a band called 16 Deluxe out of Austin, and um, they were both kind of wild and experimental and melodic and um so that was kind of my influence a big part of my influence right on yeah yeah i was gonna say uh, flaming lips came to mind on oh good several tracks so uh came came to mind uh in that i'm I'm now hearing the the logical progression of that Uh, (laughs) so yeah cool again you guys it's just self-validation all the way on this interview i love it I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we we've never really inspired to be like a Ingve Malmsteen or <laughs> right. or some you know some of these guitar wizard people. I mean, anyways, for as far as our sound goes, I think it's more important to like just convey a feeling, and um, that's usually what I'm trying to do when I. Like for Earthbound, like Earthbound, for example, like I, I was uh, inspired by a 
um, this um, Japanese anime show I used to love to watch. Like, I think it was back in like 2001 or something. It was called Fooly Cooly. And oh, Fooly Cooly. Called the Pillows. Fooly Cooly. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do you remember the opening song in that Fooly Cooly that it was just so fun? Dude, totally. You know, you're yeah. on a, uh, we, we disguise ourselves as a nerd show. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cred just went up by 20 points. Oh, <laughs> I love, I love that show. And I, I, I always wanted to write a song that made me feel that good. Right. When that song would come on and that show would come on, I just felt so good. And like, so that that's my thing. Like I try and I don't know. I just try and like get out what's inside me and hopefully convey it. And um, hopefully Earthbound's kind of close to what the pillows did. Right. (laughs) I don't know. You can't really touch it, but pillows are the pillows. (laughs) Well, well, I mean, again, I wanted to to just put put your stickers on the inside of my locker. So, yeah, no, you, you, you nailed it. You nailed it. Right on. We'll send you some stickers. Hell yeah. Yes. Yes. Excellent. We have a stack Excellent. right here. Oh, super cool. I love it. I love it. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting, Josette, that you 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 talk about the uh, your, your your process in terms of translation from from feeling to to work as the front person the, the majority of the time. I wanted to focus in a little bit. Uh, your authenticity really shines through on the track full. It kind of, oh, dude, it, it, it's, like, it's like it begins in an almost like, like paused moment of honesty and conclusion. And then the whole thing ramps up into this declarative anthem. Could you, uh, could you take us a little, uh, a little deeper in, into, the, uh, into that track? Ah. Uh... That one, um, I actually started writing when John went out of town for uh, a Tripping Daisy reunion show, and I, I couldn't go, and I was really bummed, and so I was really in a sad state of mind when I, when I just came up with that beginning, um, and then um, I just started thinking about things that like make us well-rounded and are good for us in our lives like you know eating right or mm, meditating or whatever it is that we know is good for us that we're maybe not doing right so that's kind of like where that part where it says you know um things that make us full i need to take a bite um things that make us full are things i seem to fight you know, all those things I know are good for me, I fight doing, but I, I know I should be doing it. So, I, right. yeah, I don't know. Um, it's not, it's usually not all just one idea in a song. Sure. Sometimes just random little ideas all that fit into one song. <laughs> right. And then it just felt good to like yell. So I did that. <laughs> it just felt yeah, right? good to like yell.
John, you also yes. take center stage on on some of the vocals, like "Summer's Ending," which, right. as we head into September, is, is perfect. Oh, uh, yes, it is. This question is really for for both of you. If you can just give us an idea of your personal collaborative and creative process. It's not always exactly the same. Um, for that song specifically, I wrote that kind of a long time ago before we started the band. And um, so that one was one that I kind of taught had Josette. Done, yeah. yeah, I'd kind of already written and I kind of taught Josette some parts. and um, Which are really fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> and then we are married, so we have a we have to kind of set some rules so that there's not too much, you know, how being in a band, there can be arguments and hard feelings. Right. And right. We kind of made a rule that whoever's song it is, whoever came up with the initial part of the song, they get to make the final call. If we have a disagreement about how something should go or whether it's structuring the song or recording it or whatever. Josette's written probably two thirds of the songs and she pretty much usually has them structured and has all the lyrics pretty much done. And then I'll go in and um, sprinkle it with wonderful little guitar <laughs> parts and harmonies. And <laughs> and then for the songs I've written, sometimes I'll write guitar parts and sometimes she'll write them. Um, I did write some of the bass lines on the album just because we didn't have a bass player yet when we started putting this all together. Our song, or the song I wrote, Even Keel, uh, I had just a really simple little... Um, just some chords and some lyrics for that and then John I don't know I think of this song in particular because I fought it I fought it um, hard I didn't want what he had added to it he right. added this bass line that was really funky and it wasn't what I was feeling when I intended when I started out this song but um, it really uh is like one of the favorites <laughs> turned out to be one of the favorites and it went in this really cool direction that it taught me to just be open-minded and let him at least try something and live with it for a little bit i right. taught her to do what i say yeah. all the time <laughs> <laughs> he's such a hard ass <laughs> <sighs> but um yeah but it turned out to be a very cool funky different song that i would have never thought to take it in that direction i won't i won't get all dr phil and pray any deeper into the, <laughs> the dynamics of, of marriage versus band uh <laughs> works pretty good though really overall it works pretty damn good <laughs> and that's the kind of love everyone's looking for right yeah, yeah, band, yeah. Band, band. it is. <laughs> there are things you can't get over ever as much too wide to Tonight, we're dropping the track Earthbound. Awesome. What's up with that? What's going on? We did a video for that one. That one was... Josette started that song with an old band she was in. Part of it. Like, the riff. the Yeah. Just the riff idea was there after watching the Fooly Cooly. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and I never did anything with it, really, until this band. 
Yeah, I always loved that riff, and I kept saying, we got to do something with that. You know, yeah. you never recorded it. You guys never did anything with it. Let's make another song out of it. So finally, I bugged her long enough. She did it. <laughs> and um, yeah, super fun to play, and it's upbeat, and we made that video, and the video is really fun to make. We just did it on it, our cell phone. <laughs> shot it all on our phone and around our neighborhood, and um, yeah, yeah that was it was fun. Just took shots of like local record stores that we love in Places our neighborhoods, play. and yeah, like some clubs that we play. It's a little bit of a collage of the band thus far. Yeah, we've had several people come in and out of the band, and um, they're all in there. So we, we put them all in the video. <laughs> This 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 track we're about to hear really really captures your sound. I think so. Awesome. Uh, I know my copy of the album is in the mail. Where uh, where can everybody find you out there on the internet, social media, all that? How can we uh, where can all where can all your new fans find you? You can order our CD and stuff off our Bandcamp page. Uh, our music is streaming on all the. You know, major platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Um, I gave you our, I think I sent you our Bandcamp. Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's, it's just the Oxen at Oxen.Bandcamp or something like that. You know what? Everybody look in the show notes. Look in the show notes. <laughs> All the links are going to be there. You'll, uh, you'll be able to find the Oxen off of their self-titled album, The Oxen. Everybody, Earthbound.
you do when your child asks? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What were Saturday morning cartoons? What's wrong with you? Or will you handle it the right way? Sit down, baby girl. Let me introduce you to my friend, Mark McRae. Join Dan Clink and I on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast as we take a unique behind-the-scenes look at the history and dynamics of animation with plenty of laughs along the way. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a proud member of the ESO Network. Well... I don't know if this is an unpopular opinion or not, so I'll throw it out there and see if you guys think it is. But I'm like, it's 2020, guys. Like, let people like things and let people dislike things. It's okay. It's not a personal attack on you if someone likes something that you don't like or dislikes something that you like. I think that 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 is pertinent to today. I mean, what's happening right now in the world, but. Well, here's the thing. It's it's different when it comes to like who should have rights or not have rights. That's completely different. I'm just talking about like when it comes to like food or media or, you know, places to travel. You know, it's like I like pineapple on pizza. That's cool (laughs) for me. And if you don't like it, that's fine. I don't think you're a jerk because you don't like pineapple on pizza, but I would hope that you wouldn't think that I'm some kind of freak because I do. It's it's normal to like and dislike foods. You know, if you really don't like pineapple pizza, then I would hope that you at the very least can be apathetic about it. <laughs> you hear about this whole Russia trying to steal our elections? Uh, Black Lives Matter. There's a lot going on in the world right now, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're vocal about not liking pineapple pizza, you're probably an asshole. (laughs) A boring asshole at that. Yeah. Well, also, the people that are like, I've never seen an episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. Come at me. That's hipster Well, they don't necessarily come at me, but it's like. They think they're superior. They think they're superior because I haven't seen it or whatever. It's like, who cares? You didn't see it. Maybe you would like it, but if you don't want to see it, don't see it. Like, it's not a big deal, guys. Not a big deal. I was that way about Game of Thrones back when it was cool to be that way about Game of Thrones, which was like 2016. It was never cool to be that way, but okay. 2016, you could... uh, Dan is, it was a different timing us. It's a different time, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but also, you know what, here's my, here's a thing that I know is probably, quote unquote, an unpopular opinion is, I didn't like Seinfeld, like it just wasn't, it wasn't my jam, wasn't, wasn't for me, and I know a lot of people love it, and cool, you guys watch it up, enjoy your Seinfeld, but it just wasn't for me. What's up with all this airline food? (laughs) (laughs) i just got so irritated and annoyed because it's like you guys are friends just like have a conversation for two seconds like normal friends were and this whole problem that you're blowing completely out of proportion would be taken care of seinfeld ended 20 years ago right yeah it's been a while yeah 25 years ago (laughs) 98 yeah yeah and it's kind of the same for the big lebowski like i know a lot of people love that movie and the first time i watched it it annoyed me honestly (laughs) and then like seeing it again there are things that i like in it but they're like freaking uh john goodman's character i just wanted to punch him in the face like the entire movie and it like 
kind of soured it for me. But you know, if you guys like it, I'm I don't think any different of you. Like that's that's the thing, is like who cares? It's not worth getting bent out of shape over. Live from Studio A, WTLK, The Thunder. The DC comic book universe has seen the series finale of one of their major characters in the universe, and of course, almost undisputedly, the breakout character of the late 2010s, that being Harley Quinn, in a story that pretty much... I guess technically started with her Rebirth series back in late 2016, which launched about a month or two after Suicide Squad was released in theaters. I mean, I guess maybe you could consider the whole story arc having started like back in the beginning of her New 52 run, even a few years before that, and it has been through its writing teams, designing teams, but of course the most famous being Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. So it's now concluded, and of course very appropriately, for me at least, her final story arc in this was that she was a wrestler who was investigating the supposed suicide of her best friend that she worked with in said wrestling promotion, and it was a whodunit murder mystery, which then all of a sudden, in true Harley fashion, got really trippy and it's just something that you would have to read for yourself so from wtlk we say au revoir we'll see you at the next reboot harley but of course that's not the end of all harley things in this year at least as we had dc fandom last saturday start out with a panel for wonder woman 1984 with the guest appearances by the original wonder woman herself linda carter and of course when she popped up Everybody in the cast was excited, and of course I'm sure everybody at home was very excited about that as well. They debuted a new trailer, which ended with only in theaters and not October 2nd, to which I was just like, come on now, uh, enough of that. Movie theaters, pretty much open now, October 2nd is a month away, just call it, it's happening. And of course we got the panel for The Suicide Squad, which comes out in just less than a year, and we met pretty much the whole entire cast, and they finally revealed who they are, which I'll probably reveal on a later WTLK. But of course we had Margot Robbie as Harley, of course, and then Viola Davis and Joel Kinnaman and Jai Courtney reprising their roles from the last movie. And then of course we had names like John Cena, Michael Rooker, Sean Gunn, who also plays Weasel, and he's pretty much doing very similar things, you know, technically speaking, that he did when he was doing his part for creating Rocket Raccoon to life in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So yeah, whew. Oh, and Idris Elba plays Bloodsport, which is of course very similar to Deadshot. And one little detail that they released about his character is he is in prison for shooting Superman. So uh, take that what you will. And Storm Reed from A Wrinkle in Time will be playing his daughter. That was like Brady Bunch times two if you saw how they were all stacked up in that virtual panel. It's pretty cool. And also announced was the Warner Brother Games Montreal Gotham Knights where you play as not Batman, but almost the rest of the Bat family, which is 
Robin, Batgirl, Nightwing, and Red Hood with you know very similar mechanics to the Arkham games because if it ain't broke don't fix it. There's also an, another game the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League, which I talked about, you know, being teased and having that official teaser poster with the crosshairs on Superman released, and it showed Harley, Deadshot, Boomerang, and also King Shark, who is voiced by WWE Samoa Joe. And if you're not familiar with who Samoa Joe is, well, the A, listen to Ring of Thunder, and B, take my word for it, he is incredible on the mic. He is incredible at playing characters especially in a villains or anti-hero characters like he is absolutely perfect for this kind of game and of course don't know if i mentioned it is being made by rocksteady who did make the batman arkham games the trailer for the batman with robert pattinson directed by matt reeves coming out next october 2021 was released and then every guy on social media that hated on Robert Pattinson 10-12 years ago for what he did in Twilight pretty much was just like, oh, we're good now. Don't get me wrong, I was one of those guys those few years ago, but I made my peace with Robert Pattinson several years back after realizing like that dude's been in some movies and put on some hell of a performances. And of course, you know, who could ever forget his time as Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter movies, Rip. And also the other two big announcements, big-ish announcements, was Shazam 2. It'll be called Shazam 2 Fury of the Gods. And also there was a Black Adam panel, which is Dwayne Johnson talking about the movie and answering fan questions. And really, that's all you need from a Black Adam panel. Or, I mean, really any panel. Even if it's a project Dwayne Johnson isn't involved in, if he just talked about that movie and answered fan questions about that movie, I mean, I wouldn't complain. Would you? No, you wouldn't. And now the Avengers beta is good and over with. And as I predicted, I had zero time to play it on the weekend that it was open beta because work and SummerSlam. But I did play it during the closed beta for Xbox One pre-order people. And yeah, that was really fun. My mind was blown just playing the original demo level where they're all on the Golden Gate Bridge on the event that's was eventually known in the game as A-Day and getting to play as all the Avengers and it's the only time you get to play Thor which was a bummer but you know more of that's coming in the full game and ooh, oh boy did I feel powerful playing as Thor but also you know got to the missions right afterwards and got familiarized with Iron Man and Hulk and Black Widow and Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, and I think probably had the most fun playing as Iron Man and switching between his rockets and his repulsors and his lasers and also getting to fly around and shoot things. Yeah, I really like that part. But Black Widow was a lot of fun too. They were all fun, but you know, that just was a little extra burst. But of course, as I said before, Looking forward to tearing it up in all the missions with Thor. And finally, you know, I've been saying, oh no, I'm, I'm keeping the faith for New Mutants coming out in theaters in late August, just like it said. I just keep the faith, and if it changes and I get disappointed, then I get disappointed. But eh, here we are. I have now finally seen it. In terms of 
the 20th century X-Men movies as of late, it was it was a good movie compared to a lot of them. I'd say upper middle as far as rankings may go, maybe. But everybody was incredible. Anya Taylor-Joy was really incredible as Ilyana Rasputin, aka Magic. And Charlie Heaton was pretty good as uh, Cannonball, Sam Guthrie. Really getting that southern accent down. And I think they s stayed pretty good and true with Wolves Mane and Roberto DaCosta Sunspot and Danny Moonstar, Mirage. I think they did pretty good with the horror element, you know, for a PG-13 movie. They really didn't need to make it R and add any extra little, ooh, blood or language or anything. I think they pretty much got that horror element of Cross. So yeah, good movie if you haven't moved on fully yet from the 20th century ex-mutant franchise just yet. This is a nice little turnaround that sort of ties into things you've seen before like in Logan. So yeah, you know, if you're just wanting to get back in the groove, you know, get a comic book movie under the belt with the reopening of movie theaters, then yeah, go see New Mutants. Get yourself warmed up because October got Wonder Woman, November got Black Widow, and then when 2021 and 2022 hits, all you'll be watching is comic book movies. And by you, I mean probably me and most of you. I mean definitely me as well. This has been WTLK The Thunder. Drink, fight, and make your ancestors proud. Hello. Have you ever wondered how much Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster sold Superman's rights to DC for? Or which uh, popular football star was uh, the Sam Wilson the Falcons' physical appearance based on? You can find all that and more at the History of Comics podcast, a podcast dedicated to the creators, events, history, and the companies that made the great comic book medium. Hosted and created by your friendly neighborhood, J.T. Wheatley. Please listen, give it a listen at iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, and all our podcasting platforms. Thank you, and go ahead and enjoy yourself a good comic book. Pumpkin Spice is amazing. Birds of Prey is a good movie. The Walking Dead is still a good show. Roman Reigns and Alexa Bliss are actually good wrestlers. And when it comes to wrestling podcasting, Sexy Thor is a future Hall of Famer. Don't at me, you smorks. Oh. <laughs> I enjoy Pumpkin Spice. I'm a fan of the, the Pumpkin Spice. Lots to unpack there. Lots to unpack there. Well, if, if we had Pumpkin Spice like all the time... I think it would be a different story. I think people get so pumped because, I mean, of course, like you can make stuff yourself any time of year, but there's only like our one season where anywhere you go, you can get a pumpkin spice fix of some sort. And that's why it's like such a thing. I've been drinking my coffee with pumpkin spice creamer almost all year with the exception of like one week. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Birds of Prey was a good movie. So what did you think of, uh, oh, what was the other one? Suicide, uh, Suicide Squad. I mean, I thought it was entertaining. Obviously, there was still some little uh, iffiness as far as editing and filmmaking and all that, you know, whatever, all that sort of film nerd shit. But yeah, Harley was awesome. Deadshot was awesome. I still find it very watchable. There you go.
Yeah, see, that's another opinion that may not be very popular. No, no it's, it's not. not. No. It is yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. It is not. And I'll <laughs> give a fuck. No, no fucks given. Hell yeah. There was a lot to unpack with that, dude. There was some wrestling stuff. Roman well, Reigns I, and Alexa I, Bliss. I agree. I, I don't know if it's an unpopular opinion. I think you are the next Hall of Famer for oh, wrestling. Oh, yeah. I mean, shit. Sure. I mean, <laughs> Sexy Thor up, up, down, down. You, you. Oh, yeah. Hashtag Sexy Thor for you, you, DD. Hashtag Sexy Thor for Thunderdome. Explain what a, what, what is Thunderdome? Thunderdome. Uh, Thunderdome is WWE move moving from its little performance center all the way to the Amway Center in Orlando, which is pretty much cross town from the performance center, and it's definitely more the you know regular arena feel how it was with the whole LED boards and pyro and lights and lasers and all that. Plus, instead of fans in the stands, much like you know other sports do, they have uh, virtual fans from like the NBA. Yeah, exactly. Virtual fans, TVs with your face being live streamed into the arena. Yeah. Did you get that? Did you get the Thunderdome gig? You won that, right? <laughs> well, to be in the audience, like I registered for it and I got the email confirming my registration. It was just like, yeah, the day of the show, uh, just, you know, another email will show up and, you know, once it's call time, you click the link and then you go in and all that. And I never got that fucking... Uh, email for the day of the show no but i did the hashtag sexy thor for thunderdome because i thought i was just like come on now wrestling podcasts already having the thunder theme thunder word to it and now you got a thunderdome you know bring me in do some hosting i'll i'll take some i'll take a nasty bump we'll make you money is what is what you're saying bro yeah wwe will make you some money Free, free money right there, just for you, just because we love you. Sexy Thor is best for business. <laughs> you know what's also rad about that is uh, this will be the fourth time I have an excuse to fade out a segment with Tina Turner singing that Thunderdome song. Ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang with the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. Guess what, Thunder Faithful? It's Beth and Kavika back again with a real treat for you with <laughs> Bottom of the Barrel. This has to be one of our best Bottom of the Barrels. Uh, uh, well, before we start, uh, Sexy Thor, can you can you come in and give us a little a little alert? Red alert. Spoilers ahead. We totally recommend this. This is a recommend. 
in my books for a a, a watch because the overall quality you have to see it for yourself <laughs> it's a it's a feast for the eyes that you is have it, to experience yourself to truly understand the beautiful masterpiece which we call the Velocipaster. The Velocipaster. A troubled priest. How long has it been since your last confession? Oh, it's been about two years. I do drugs, sell drugs, uh, murder people. <laughs> <laughs> the Velocipaster. It is. So, the Velocipaster is uh, written and directed by Brendan Steer. Steel. St I think it's. Steer. Uh, well, <laughs> on the credits, I thought it said steer. What what are we looking at here? Or steer? S T E E R E. Do you pronounce? Is that like a French E? I don't even know. It's spelled with an R here on IMDb, so I guess it's Brendan Steer. <laughs> you were but, hoping it was Brendan Steele. Oh yeah, I, I was because I mean, doesn't that sound like a porn name? It does. So. Sound, and there was some porn esque music in this. Why don't you go ahead and read us off? What what is the Velocipaster? Let's let's. What's the synopsis for that? After losing his parents, a priest travels to China where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. At first horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime. And ninjas. <laughs> and ninjas! And there, ninjas. There are ninjas all over the place. And for um, we finally kind of figure out why towards the end. But you're like, the entire movie, you're like, why are there ninjas? I, it didn't make any I mean, until you got to the end. It really didn't make any sense. Okay, well let's let's start at the beginning. This movie is quote unquote rated X by an all Christian jury. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> does it matter? This movie fact. Here's a true fact about this movie. This movie is one hour and ten minutes, which. Hey, I think for a movie of this quality, a bottom of the barrel, I prefer a it to be on the short one of the shorter ends. So, but a, I mean, an hour and ten on. minutes felt perfect timing well, for this. Well, if you look at movies though, like if a movie's less than an hour and a half, that's usually a sign that this is <laughs> uh, not the highest quality of film. Okay, let's just. Let's just put that out there. We all we all know this is true, right? I I don't know if it's true, but it's it usually. Uh, I, well, I have found personally in the in you know, while watching movies, if it's less than an hour and a half, it's probably you know a throwaway movie kind of thing. Yeah. So we have our main cast. We got Doug and Carol, and we have we have we have Doug who is the titular Velocipaster. The the thirty something priest. He is a priest in I guess uh the Catholic Well church. here here's the thing. <laughs> I don't even here's know. the thing. So they are dressed as if he and uh Father Stewart are dressed as if they're like Catholic priests and there's a confessional, but then there's one moment where it shows the sign and it's like Church of Christ. And I was like, that's not even that's not even a Catholic church, man. I don't even think I think that that is just something that kind of 
squeezed by in the, in the movie making. You know, I don't know if they meant to highlight that. I don't know. The movie doesn't take itself that seriously. But it, it does so. not. The, the entire movie, they knew what they were making. I mean, <laughs> when you first see priest doug and he's wearing like the cheapest walmart priest <laughs> costume in town with ties in the back at the neck you know what you're getting into and so does father stewart father stewart's wearing oh, the yeah. exact same oh yeah you know this this comes right off of like your halloween store you know oh they, yeah they paid 20 oh, bucks for it <laughs> and doug wears converse the entire movie <laughs> white converse white converse i, I, I would thought actually you worn black it would have fit in better Right, no, I don't know. White Converse, whole movie. The story revolves around this pastor in in this church, and his parents die. (laughs) They die right at the beginning, brutally, (laughs) brutal death. It was a the death was so brutal that they just (laughs) what did they do across the street? the The screen just showed like uh, a text of uh, visual effects. Car, car blowing up. Car Car blowing up right here. Car explosion. (laughs) And Doug, he's just like screaming. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. And then, you know, he's having like a crisis of faith. And so Father Stewart tells him to that he should go where he he doesn't think God will follow him. And if he finds God there, then he'll like, no. He'll, he'll, he'll have his faith restored I yeah think. but then it just like you just see a montage child. of him driving <laughs> him driving and driving montage driving and then the next thing you know china and i'm like did he drive to china is that what happened i, I think it was it was one of those water boats it's like the, the water boat you know where you just drive off into the water and it oh takes okay off. like james bond movie or something yeah okay of course and it, well, so you're in China. He's in China. We have an indeterminate like, amount of time. He's just, he's just like in the woods in walking China, through the woods, walking in nature, looking at a compass. He's just like, oh, we'll go. China back. is east. <laughs> yes, he goes. China is east. Why is it saying go east? And <laughs> then, and then there's a girl like running through the woods, and she's injured. Well, she gets shot with an arrow. Yes. And then she like falls down the hill in front of him. And he's like, she's got an arrow coming out of her chest. And he's like, are you injured? (laughs) (laughs) And she gives him like the magic. It looked like a a tooth. It It looked like a a tooth or claw. I'm going to assume it's one of the two. And it's some type of ancient magical talisman. And she's telling him to destroy, destroy it. it, but of course he doesn't know Chinese, right? He doesn't <laughs> so know what's like, like. He's how like, can I help he's you? like, take it, okay? Yeah. And then she goes, Dragon Warrior. <laughs> and then the next thing we know, boom, we wake up and well, we... he gets cut on the hand from it. Yes, he, he gets does. a cut on the hand from this talisman. And, and he's then, crying for from pain, and he wakes up in out of a fever dream, and here comes... He's at home. He's at home. He just, he's in his bed. <laughs> and Father Stewart's really close at his side, like, oh, are you okay? And he's like, you'll forget about your injuries from China soon, or something like that, you know, like, gives him a hug, like, you're going to be all right, buddy. We're going through all these different montages and all these different scenes, and... 
we're getting to know Doug just a little bit. But in uh, he's traveling on the street and he and he passes by some homeless guy and yeah the the next person that passes by this homeless guy she gives him some change and insert our our other character Carol. Carol. <laughs> <laughs> My beautiful girl with a dark pissed. I mean, she's a she's a prostitute, right? She- well, I mean. She's like your textbook trope prostitute. She's got on like a fur coat with like a crop top or something on. It's like a leopard fur coat. It, oh, you know, yeah. It's a leopard or a cheetah. She's doing the lollipop thing. And she's uh, got on fishnets and she's got on like hooker heels. And then we run into her pimp. Frankie Mermaid. Frankie Mermaid. I'm lit up right and hot to trap where you want me tonight, Daddyo. Carol. Hello. Oh. Now, what's my name? Frankie Mermaid. And why is my name Frankie Mermaid? Why do they call me Frankie Mermaid? Because you're swimming in bitches. <laughs> what? It is just it's. it's Frankie and Mermaid. I, you know, I enjoyed that Frankie Mermaid was in the film just because you know the one-liners, right? Oh, he was ridiculous. He was a he was a mess, but he was great. And of course, uh, oh, Velocipaster, whenever uh, Father Stewart came in and asked him if he was okay and everything after he woke up through the fever dream, he's like, I'm hungry. So hungry. So he gets this kind of glaze in his eyes and he goes out the door. We don't know where Velocipaster is, but we have Carol. She's she's just walking the streets at night as as one does. When well, it looked like she had ventured off into the woods because, you know, oh, yeah, because Frankie Mermaid told her to go to the park. She had yes. to go to the park to hook. Yes. So. And during her excursion to the park, she gets mugged by, you know, somebody is like, well, give me all your money. And she's like, well, I don't have any money. He'll kill me. And like, well, you take me to him. And then she is saved. Like, this guy's about to, like, maybe kill her, and yeah. she's saved by Velocipaster. <laughs> and he and eats him! See, yeah, he eats him. All you see, you like, you see flying limbs here and there, and, you know, sinister music. And, and like, <laughs> the cheesiest dinosaur head, like, chomping at his leg. The next scene, I, I think that they, she, uh, Velocipaster wakes up naked in her bed. And they yes. have this really awkward conversation. Yeah, the exchange he, there. Yes. Where he thinks that they had sex. And then but she's like, oh, you say, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it comes out. Last night was amazing. What are you talking about? The time you turned into a dinosaur and ate something. What? You changed into a dinosaur, a dinosaur and you dinosaur ate this guy. <laughs> you ate a man. It is insane. And he's like, no, that's not true. That was just a dream. And so she's like, no, I'll show you. And she takes him to the park and like shows him this guy's arm. Yes. And like, she's like, oh, but you did it for good. You saved me and everything like that. And so he's like, huh, I don't know. Killing is bad. He, He remembers he has something else to do and he runs off. And next scene, you see him running into the church because mm-hmm. he had forgotten that he was late once ag- he was late again. Yeah, for confessional. For confessional. And he gets into confessional. And uh, 
none other than Frankie, Frankie Mermaid was waiting for him. Hell yeah. <laughs> and he like lights up a freaking joint and he's like, oh, you want me to confess? There's a lot I got to confess. Well, and the big thing that uh, Frankie Mermaid confesses to is Frankie Mermaid, we don't know why, but killed his parents. Murdered his parents. And, and since uh, old Doug, the Velocipaster, into a, an immediate rage, he transforms and kills Frankie Mermaid. Yeah, he Mermaid. puts his dino hands through the confessional booth, the little ball, and yeah, he kills Frankie Mermaid, R.I.P., it almost settled his heart in a way because later he meets up with Carol again. And, yeah, and after he leaves there, he goes to Carol because Carol's the only one that knows. Knows that he's this killing machine. And they have this conversation like, You guys talk all the time about helping people. This might actually be the first time in your life you can. By what? Killing people? Yes. Yes. I think I will. I'll kill for good. And then they look at each other and you kind of think they're going to kiss. And they high five. Because he's going to kill for good. And they got through this entire montage um, of him oh, yeah. slowly falling in love, I guess. Well, and him like working out and learning to fight and stuff does to become a better like Velocipaster, I guess. But does the Velocipaster need to work out? I don't know, I, but I in that montage, <laughs> he was working out. He was like throwing kettlebells around and stuff, and he was doing push-ups, and he was preaching, and he was like eating ice cream with Carol and teaching her the Bible. It was a whole thing. The it montage was a, was a whole thing. It, it, I mean... It was one of the longest montages in the movie. Yeah. And because this, like I said, this movie is, it's not very long. No. So, I mean, the, the pacing of it is pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, the next time that after the montage, uh, he's in there studying, he's still studying to be the best, you know, Velocipastor he could be. Mm -hmm. And in walks Father Stewart and he's like, Father Stewart's like, hey, you know. Uh, what what in the world are you doing? You've never been late in your life. You have all these new habits. Uh, we need to get help from the church. And I think that you need an exorcism. That's insane, Doug. God does not want people dead. Oh, I think God wants a lot of people dead. Then he took him to try to, like... Yeah, he Get takes him, him to like the exercise. Wh wh what is that crazy magician's name? Chris something. Oh, Chris Angel. Chris Angel. So there's a Chris Angel in this who's like supposed to be the exorcism guy. Yeah. You know, because they can't wait on the church. It's too imperative. They have to get these demons out of him. Yeah. Well, there was that. But also he's like. I haven't seen this guy since the war. And then you get a whole flashback of now that, Father Stewart's background. As far as montages go, I think that was my favorite. Like, well, so that was I, a flashback. That was. I, I say we don't even tell them about Father. Like, no, you, you got to see it for got yourself. You see Fa <laughs> Father Stewart's a flashback montage. It is insane. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a good time. <laughs> And then of I'm course, laughing at you watching it right now. <laughs> yeah, no, you just have to see it for yourself. And then, of course, like the exorcism doesn't work. It doesn't work. He turns. Oh, he into like the so they're, 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 they're pulling. They're pulling like some mystical 
thing out of him. You know, use your imagination. What I love is that whole time Father Stewart's just sitting there with a card and he's like kind of waving it back and forth just from side <laughs> to side. That's That was his part of like helping with the exorcism. Yeah. <laughs> it was, anyway, so Father Stewart sustains an injury and... And old Doug thinks that he's killed him. Yeah. You know, because like he's run off. The the weird Chris Angel is laughing hysterically. He's like, I've let loose the dogs of war. Yeah. You know? At first he seemed a little scared. But yeah, then there was like evil laughter. And yeah, I let, let loose the dogs of war. But he goes to get consoled by his new BFF. Carol. Carol. Mm-hmm. And they have a moment. Yeah. And I would say in this moment... The cinematography was probably the best in the whole movie. It was almost like uh, a comic or something. It was like a music video. It was a music video. It, like uh, each, the camera was on each of them, you know, for little spots and splicing together. So it was probably the fanciest and most technical part of the entire movie was that montage of them yes. having a moment. Yes. And it was definitely a music video. <laughs> It was a music video. Come on. And then... and They wake up and, and the ninjas, like these ninjas are coming out of... Come in the window. In the window. But all of a sudden, these two, Carol and Doug, both dispatch a handful of ninjas by themselves. These are specially trained. These are warriors. <laughs> They followed me home. Yeah, I and guess. They just, and they just bashed these ninjas like it was nothing. I'm like, yeah, I guess what? Carol was doing some like ninja training when we weren't looking. Yes. Because that was not included in the montage. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, uh, to be a proper hooker, you have to know martial arts, you know, and martial arts good enough to defeat ninjas. So why why did she even need to be saved to begin with? I don't know. It doesn't... I don't know. <laughs> but also... My, one of my big questions in this film is, what year was it? I it was undescriptive. I so because I would, I would assume that it is. Oh my! Well, yeah. Hey, that's a good question. I thought it, it was it can't be when now. it started. I thought it was supposed to be like the present or at least close to that. Too. But then, like all of Carol's outfits, almost every one of them looked like they were from the seventies. Yes, and even that would make more sense with the flashback for Father Stewart in the war. In the war, because it had like kind of dated. Like you were thinking, it it looked like Vietnam. But it was also supposed to be when he was young. Yes. Because they like slapped a blonde wig on him. (laughs) And he was supposed to be, supposed to be young. So they they did a good job. Well, they, they were working with what they got, right? Yeah. Uh, Doug and Carol, they, they defeated these ninjas. And we find out in the next scene that Father Stewart is actually alive. Yeah. And he's wearing an eye patch now. Over his glasses. (laughs) just on top of his glasses no big deal well i mean so apparently doug like ripped his eye out yes but he did not kill him but doug thought that he killed him doug was i mean father stewart and doug even though it was a a mentor kind of uh relationship they Mm -hmm. were still friends right? right so he still had i feel like he still has some control over himself in this 
philosopher mode whenever he he's been transformed and but so we he gets woken up it, throughout this movie we keep seeing this weird ninja organization and father stewart's uh being taken care of by this master ninja and his uh people and what we find out though is I, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to spoil that part. I mean, he has a big plan. There, he has yeah, a master well, plan. So this ninja has this master plan, and Father Stewart, Father Stewart doesn't, doesn't want doesn't any agree, part of it. So he he's he's killed, and um, he stabs him with an arrow. <laughs> he doesn't shoot him with a bow and arrow. He just stabs him with an arrow. But we have this scene where after the ninjas and Doug is sitting there thinking, he goes. Good thing those ninjas told me where their evil lair is. <laughs> and you're like, did they? I don't remember it. But so Doug and Carol decide to attack the evil ninja lair. And he fight. There's another good plot twist that I did not see we coming. We didn't see coming. Yeah, no. I'm not. I'm not going. We're tell not going to tell you. You gotta. You just gotta watch it. There, there's a huge fight. Um. In the end, Doug is victorious. He has defeated all of the enemies of God, I guess. <laughs> and um, he throws away his robes. He no longer needs them. He is going to go out into the world and do good. Yeah. And, you know, find his own path. So, Beth. Yes. What if you, How many Velocipastors would you rank this movie? Out of how many? Uh, we'll we'll say five. 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 How many velocipasters? Oh, five out of five velocipasters. <laughs> five out of five. <laughs> like I am in. I am sold. The blood looks like orange Kool Aid, and I do not care. Yeah, this entire so Beth does not like gory movies, and this movie attempted to be gory, but it was so slapstick you knew and so it's like oh oh so this violence is fine because <laughs> because here's the thing like something like hostile where they make it look really super realistic mm. i can't handle that give me velocipaster all day i will watch every bit of it i will not <laughs> and, and, cover and, my and eyes um, that would be a lot of velocity a whole day that'd be like 24 velocity i mean are 23 velocipasters 22 because they're only yeah. like an hour long yeah all right I, uh, I i hope they make a sequel man i i, I do too so where can we find this incredible piece of uh film well, currently I know it's on Amazon Prime. Um, let's see. Rotten Tomatoes said that it's on Voodoo or you can rent it from Fandango now. And it actually has a decent score. The audience score is 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it, it, it's a fun movie. I hope that they have made some money on this movie because I know it did not take them very much money to make. It was reminiscent of many of these home movies that become, you know, blow up successes. But I totally also recommend Velocipaster. I give it five out of five. And I think that we can both agree you cult, should go watch this movie. Cult classic, guys. <laughs> Get in now. Velocipaster. Velocipaster. 
Hey, weird podcast people! Join us every week on the Flopcast for a half hour or so of silly conversation about comics, music, Saturday morning cartoons, old movies and TV shows, and chickens. It'll be our little secret. Find us at flopcast.net and on the ESO network. They showed a brand new trailer for Wonder Woman 84, and even though October 2nd is just a month away, they still had the little thing that new movie trailers, including for Tenet, puts there that just says only in theaters but without a date, even though it's still supposed to come out October 2nd, but that still just makes me like, uh, no, come out in October, please. (laughs) Theaters are open. I think people are actually going to want to see that on the big screen. I know I definitely want to. You know, I'm a huge Wonder Woman fan, like from way back. And uh was so happy that the first film was super successful. And uh, first of all, I just think that the casting was impeccable. I mean, they couldn't have found a better Wonder Woman and the story was good, and I just loved it. And I just can't wait to see Wonder Woman 1984. Kirsten Wig plays the cheetah, correct? Yeah. Yeah, that should be interesting, too. Yeah. The cheetah is like an iconic Wonder Woman villain. Yeah, it should be fun. And this new trailer actually gave us, uh, like, the best look of cheetah in the movie that we've had since it's been announced. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing this and then hopefully seeing black widow a month later oh yeah yeah that'll be really cool as well black widow sort of has a interesting backstory you know that does sort of tie to wonder woman there was a show called the avengers and it was like a a british uk spy series And it featured this guy and woman who were spies and they would go around, you know, stopping people from doing bad things. And Diana Rigg played Emma Peel. She wore white and she was, you know, beating up folks, you know, using karate and everything. And she was a very influential uh, character. Well, supposedly both DC and Marvel took note of this. And so that was when Wonder Woman, when so when Wonder Woman lost her powers or the storyline where she renounces her powers, I hate to say that she lost them because she gave them up willingly. Um, she renounces her powers and resigns from the Justice League and, you know, hooks up with a Asian uh, master to teach her karate and jujitsu and everything. At the same time, over at Marvel, uh, supposedly the powers that be were also inspired to create the Black Widow. And so when the Black Widow changed looks, you know, like when she got the iconic costume, I guess the black costume that everyone is used to seeing, or sometimes it looks blue, dark blue, um, supposedly that new look was inspired by this Emma Peel character that was on the Avengers TV series. Because if you look at old pictures of the Black Widow, like when she first started coming around, I mean, her costume looks sort of matronly and almost looked like a DC Comics design rather than a Marvel. Yeah, I I know what you mean about uh, her original look, too, because I have a Black Widow prequel 
graphic novel, which has the official MCU tie-in prequel comics, but also it has the issues of the first appearance of Black Widow and also Red Guardian. Ah, cool. And and yeah, it was when uh, Black Widow was infiltrating uh, Tony Stark for the Soviets, and she like had a sort of half veil in front of her face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I remember yeah. uh, the Avengers, too, because they did a sort of movie reboot of the British spy Avengers where Ray Fiennes played that guy, the that the male main character, several years before he became Voldemort. The Best Wednesdays of Our Lives, starring Sexy Thor and Mark McRae. <laughs> Hey, there you go. We're moving from Saturday morning cartoons to comic books. So, Dan, what is your unpopular opinion? Well, it's going to involve uh, peace in the Middle East. I have this 15-point roadmap, and I'm going to say some things that both sides would be like, you're against a broader idea of us. And it's like, no, dude, I'm against uh, you guys having a narrow idea of each other. Um, no, no. My unpopular opinion is I think The Last Jedi was a great movie, but not very good Star Wars. And I think Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker if you're into Star Wars, I think it was a great, a fine Star Wars movie. I think it hit a lot of what fans would want it's, as a fan looking at thousands of dollars worth of Star Wars toys right now. I think, I think as Star Wars, it was cool. I think as a movie, as a movie, it was fucking trash, dude. It was garbage, garbage. What makes for you that yeah, movie. I'm trying to I'm trying to understand your your point. reasoning. Like what what yeah what your makes reasoning? It, um yeah, it's fuck. I, it, it sounded clever. It sounded clever, especially when I say the whole opposite ways for episode nine. I'm just not giving a shit about Star Wars these days, guys. Like in a way that uh, hasn't happened since uh, sex and drugs. When was that? You're like what? 1984. <laughs> 96. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, also, something that you have to think about, too, is the movies have been all made in completely different times, and that affects a lot of how the, the movie's written and put together and yada yada. Because if this movie would have been made, like, in the early to mid-80s, it would be a completely different movie, even if it was the same story. Yeah. Well, this could be a whole nother episode and a whole nother conversation. So it's probably too much to get into now. But when you, yeah, we'll have to get into a talk about that. Yeah, be on the lookout for our uh, Thunder Talks masterclass on the art of watching film. Dude, you ever watch Citizen Kane without any sound on? It'll blow your mind, man. It'll blow your mind. Well, I, the point I was going to make, though, is I listened to a podcast where some millennials who had never seen any Star Wars watched a bunch of Star Wars content. Right. And they were complaining about the original movies. And I think the reason why is just like the pacing and the storytelling is very different totally. than 
movies and content that they're more used to. And so all of like the setup and backstory kind of stuff, they're like, why do I care about these robots? I don't care about these robots. Like get to Yoda already. Like that sort of thing, because even though they hadn't seen Star Wars before, they knew of Yoda. So they're like, when's Yoda going to show up? And like, when's stuff going to (laughs) happen? R2-D2 and C-3PO were totally going on that odd couple comedy dynamic that goes, you know, Abbott Costello, uh, Laurel and Hardy. That, that had been, that's, that's kind of tired. That's been tired for about 30 years now. The whole, the odd couple comedy dynamic. Kavika and I talk about stuff like this when we watch shows and movies together sometimes. Yeah, I talk to myself about this shit, or I'll talk at (laughs) Melissa about this shit. Like, all that shit I just said, I'll just be looking at her and talking, and God love her, she'll sit there and, uh... Smile and nod. Yeah. Yeah, it's her birthday, by the way, this week, everybody, my wife, Melissa. Happy birthday, Melissa! Happy birthday! Yeah, happy birthday, baby. Harry Potter correspondent, Melissa. Happy right. birthday. That's right. That was a good episode. That was last week. Everybody go check that out if you haven't. If you're new to Thunder Talk, go back one. Go, go do that. It was good stuff. The next evolutionary leap in the Thunderverse has arrived. The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? The Ring of Thunder is a whole week's wrestling in a half hour. What? Every show. What? 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 You come up around here wetting in sexy Thor's yard like he's anything but the hammer swinging, burrito eating, mic blazing, marking out but never tapping out Lord of Thunder, like you would do anything but sit down, open your ears, and take in the Ring of Thunder wherever you find your podcasts, like you would find any other podcasts in the Thunderverse or the ESO Network. So Adam, you're back at work. I am. I even ran the building and until five this morning by myself. With of course workers. Minions. Yeah, minions, Min- you know. Minions. <laughs> I told them all what to do and there was no higher power to stop me. <laughs> That's right, it's sexy Thor. I mean, that's just the way it goes. Yeah. Exactly. The buck stops there. Exactly how I run my staff at the Ring of Thunder. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of the 10 most popular places to uh, be employed right now, according to... Is Monster.com still a thing? I don't even know. Ring of Thunder is one of the biggest internet places to work since Angel Fire. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> So Ring of Thunder, where where are we finding that? You are finding it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you can find your Thunder First podcasts and podcasts on the ESO Network. Nice, nice. I'll shout out uh, Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast, Mark Cray and I. Find us on SoundCloud, TVSOOLP. And Mark uh, is an author of the uh, blockbuster game-changing book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, nucleus of uh, what uh, the podcast is all about. Find that at uh, thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com or tvsool.com. There's merch. You can get a signed copy of the book. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it'll, it'll change your life. It'll change your heart. You can find me, you know, on Twitter at KTSA Rambles On. Uh, they... Rarely, but sometimes I do stream on Twitch at K to Say and, you know, find me on Facebook. Find me 
Find me on the places. You know, I'm everywhere. Hit her up on the socials. That's right. Kavika's so big, she's right behind you. <laughs> Kavika, Kavika's so big. Kavika's so blown up. Uh, she doesn't return Spielberg's phone calls. Yeah, I don't have time for that. Uh, and then Beth, Twitch, Oklahoma. Twitch.tv slash Oklahoma. I'm also on Twitter at Oklahoma. Come hang out, guys. Yeah, hang out, everybody. Yeah, your Twitch. Your Twitch is rad. It's the best. It's the best. I, been doing I play dance. a lot of wholesome games. Yeah, I've been doing just dance the last couple weeks, but right. we may have to cut that back until we get a better setup just because the quality of the the visuals on the stream isn't as good since it's trying to go directly from the Xbox wirelessly to my mm. PC, which is in a completely different room. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it gets a little choppy, so yeah. we may cut back on that for a while and just do more like Stardew and Ooblets and other stuff. The 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 Sings is fun. The What's it called? Twitch Sings. Twitch yeah, sings. that's a good time. I wish they had a deeper catalog that was more Dan-oriented. It's personally. not all about you, Dan. Well, you know, <laughs> where's your AOL disc? I don't know where I'm going with that. I'm fading out. Uh-uh. Where can yeah, we find you, yeah. Dan? Where can we find you, Dan? Where can we harass you on the internet? Just, I mean, uh, use your Netscape browser. If you're on the World Wide Web, then all you're going to find is me pimping all of like the Twitch and the this podcast shit that we do. That's all I put up. You have a Twitter. Don't lie to us. Well, yeah, but all I put on it is, hey, new episode of Thunder Talk. Uh, Beth is streaming. Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Uh, Ring of Thunder. That's all I put on it. That's all I do. So uh, the real Dan Clink and Thunder Talk Pod on all the socials, Facebook. Yes. Uh, we'll you know we'll start being nicer. We'll start being better. We'll reach out to you, the Thunder Faithful. We'll stop being nicer. <laughs> Thunder Faithful, everybody. That's... Uh, uh, speak for yourself, there, Dan. Well, we'll start. We're, we'll some be of more us are engaging. already nice. Uh, yeah, but some of us are kind of assholes. I'm kind of looking at myself and Kavika. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's, it's like this side of the Zoom call. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The asshole. Pretty oh, much. I'm part of the nice crowd. Yeah, yeah you're one of the nice yeah. ones. Yeah. yeah. Hi, sexy. We're the nice ones. <laughs> Bye. Hashtag sexy Thor for UUDD. Get your boy in Austin Creed playing some Mortal Kombat and talking about stuff. Oh, bye, everybody. Bye, friends. Good morrow. Thunder Talk is a production of the Weirdos Workshop with special guest stars Josette Marie Vineyard and John Vineyard. And a very special shout out to our good friend Amanda Bones at Hell to Pay Management. Starring Mark McRae, Javika Allo, Adam Wedston, Beth Allo, and Dan Klink. If you want to find us on social media, we are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ThunderTalkPod. Our email address is ThunderTalkPodcast at gmail.com. Drink, fight, and make your ancestors proud. And Mark would be like a like a third party, like a Titan, or what are like like the Marvel gods, you know, like the Watchers or something. Chaotic yeah. neutral.
That's right. That's right. Hey, you all want to hit stop now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yep. Cool. Count it off. All right. Uh, three, two, one. Stop. Stop. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.